and welcome back to Blair Her Name, a podcast where your hosts from both coasts dive into all of the subtext of Xena the Warrior Princess and some subtext that isn't too subtle too. My name is Ray Noble. I am one of your hosts. I am a queer writer from the Pacific Northwest, dabbling mostly in urban fantasy and some paranormal shit. I love Xena and my amazing co-host is, drumroll please... Hi, everyone. I'm Elliot Junkyard. I'm a queer writer and artist uh, living in the mountains of Pennsylvania. And that's about it right now. (laughs) I don't have anything new and exciting to talk about. Uh, Elliot has some books for sale on Amazon. And also, is it Gumroad? What else do you have it on? Um, Square Up, I think. Square Up, excuse me. And all of those links (laughs) will be in the description if you want to read some good soft gay shit and then some also (laughs) gay pirate shit, among other things. So that's going to be all in the description if you want that shit. This is an explicit show, if you can't tell. <laughs> Hopefully. Thank you, for being, thank you for being my hype person. Thanks. That's what I'm here for. On basically any podcast that I do, I'm just like, here, let me remind all of my co-hosts that you have shit that people can buy. So I just want you all to be successful, okay? That's all I want. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So, Elliot, will you please let us know what episode of Xena we watched this last week? So this week we watched Season 1, Episode 8, Prometheus, uh, which aired originally November 6th, 1995. And the IMDb summary reads, Xena and Hercules join forces to free Prometheus. However, his reprieve comes with a price. This is a crossover. We didn't watch the Hercules episode because Kevin Sorbo is a piece of shit. He's fucking terrible. And he's the worst heterosexual (laughs) smokescreen that we've ever had. Except for dad in like episode three or whatever. I hated him. But Hercules is right up there. Yeah. I have more Kevin Sorbo is a piece of shit news that I hadn't previously known from an article on ScreenRant.com. Quote, I never understood why they made her actually more powerful than Hercules. Hercules is supposed to be the strongest person in the world and a half god. And here, Xena was able to do everything Hercules can do and more. They made her a doctor and so many other things. And I just found it weird. You know, she could be a kick-ass chick, but to give her my strength on top of it was weird. So go fuck yourself, Kevin Sorbo. He's literally just having one of those moments of like, but she can be all of these really cool things, but she can't have the cool thing that I have. (laughs) It's literally what it is. Riona's staring at me because she's over by the fairy lights and she's like, hi, mom. I'm right here. So are these fairy lights. I could hit them and make lots of noise. (laughs) anyway so unfortunately yes this is a crossover episode and okay what i did not realize and i think we touched on it slightly at the end of the very last episode when you said that this was a crossover episode i didn't realize that xena was actually a character from hercules first i thought that it was the opposite way around so could you give us any like tidbits or like historical information if you have any about Um, their relationship prior to her show okay what i remember is that she had like a like a couple episode arc and it was back when she was still bad xena right i think that her arc ended 
with her kind of about to transition into good Xena. I know that originally she was supposed to be killed off at the end of her arc, but those episodes got such good ratings that they were able to like then turn that into the spinoff. That they were like, holy shit, we can actually do a female-led show? Because like this was all like pre-Buffy, pre yeah, any female-driven yeah. show. Like Xena's success is what made Buffy possible. Because she basically paved the way. Thank you, Xena. So yeah. <laughs> You've given us so much. So much. Yeah, and I think they probably did some kind of like since this was a crossover, she probably appeared on whatever previous episode of Hercules this was, and they talked about I don't know, what did they referenced some message that Hercules gave to Xena and that probably happened in that episode. I don't remember it. That's I don't feel like we missed anything at like by not watching that episode, so I don't disagree with you. It doesn't seem like it's particularly relevant. All I know is that the only relevant thing in here is that there is a slight relationship mentioned between Xena and... Is it Eolas or Iolas? Eolas? It's Eolas. Eolas. Wow. Um, They mentioned that he was, like, in love with her, but also there's, like, past Xena Hercules that is implied to have happened and so. some hetero like sexual smokescreen current hercules Zena uh, shit that's also happening yeah it's they have no chemistry at all like i think they had more chemistry when she was bad xena honestly I, they have zero chemistry to me at all they literally like bleh, i can't i really know <laughs> i mean if she's gonna be in a heterosexual passing relationship then it needs to be with Aries and any other dude is just not gonna work for it in my like in my book it just no and then on top of it Kevin Sorbo is terrible and Hercules is a boring character I get it he's got some tragic past but if you want to go watch Hercules go watch the Disney movie for real it's so much better it's so much better plus you get really sexy Meg and there's songs (laughs) yeah exactly Oh my god, did you know that September 4th was the day that Xena first aired? I did not know that. Oh, we missed that. I'm on Facebook and somebody just posted that 23 years ago Xena was released and they realized they were gay. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, sorry, this is just really well-timed out t- shit. But yeah, so that's a thing. So thanks, Xena. You are officially almost as old as I am. We did have an actual thing that we watched, so I guess we should talk about it. That would be important. That's, like, relevant to what this podcast is about. Okay, so this episode started off with um, me debating whether or not watermelon are a native thing to Greece. (laughs) Okay, so I looked up a bunch of stuff, actually. So when we get mad about the inaccuracy of the Greek myths, I would actually know what the correct thing was. But I did not look up to see if watermelon were, were native to ancient Greece. Oh my god, you did research. I'm so happy. I did research. I mean, it was like, you know, the My Favorite Murder kind of research where I Wikipedia'd five minutes before we started recording. But I still have the tab open. That's more research than we've ever done before. So I'm real proud of you right now. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, so I'm going to be quite frank. This episode was an episode that I could have lived without. And I feel like Throughout most of our discussion, it's like there's not a ton of stuff that we really 
I don't know if like you and I felt any part of this episode, honestly, except for just to complain about Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, honestly, I think my favorite parts of the episode were like the terrible special effects towards the end because you know that these were like cutting edge effects in 1995 oh my god i blocked it all out i totally forgot that they existed they were they were just like painfully bad like they (laughs) were terrible there was some costuming that looked like it was like they had stolen these costumes from like star trek like like not next generation like ogs (laughs) <laughs> Star Trek. You know what the bird in the end looked like? The giant dinosaur bird? It looked It looked like Oh yeah. Then tell me what you think. Oh well I'm just thinking about that old TV show from that Jim Henson did, The Dinosaurs. Yes. Yes, yeah. I was just gonna say it looks like a Jim Henson. Yeah, it looks like bird. a Jim Henson thing and it looks like something that should have been in the dinosaurs, which in case anybody wants to know is on Hulu, don't watch it. It oh. will definitely ruin your childhood because it's way more adult than anybody remembers it being. It's it's like a fucking okay. sitcom, like a, a Roseanne style sip- it's sitcom. Like, it's like it's like socialist m- Muppets, basically. It's like how Fraggles right. are secretly <laughs> socialists. It's like I because I've rewatched Dinosaurs when I, a couple maybe like five years ago it was on Netflix. Oh my god, no! It shocked the hell and, out of me. Yeah, and I rewatched it, and there's, like, an episode that deals with, like, steroid abuse, and an episode that deals with, like, global warming, and an episode that deals with, like, deforestation and, like, species going extinct. Yeah, it was, like, all the hard-hitting shit. (laughs) Right. I watched it with one of my uh, friends a few months ago, and we were just, we were just looking for something fun. We ended up watching But I'm a Cheerleader, (laughs) because she'd never seen it before, and I was like, how can you be queer and not have seen this? So we watched that, but we started off watching The Dinosaurs, because we thought it was going to be super chill and, like, super fun, and it turned into a moment of, like, oh my god, this is too real. This is like we're watching a literal sitcom, and now we're incredibly depressed. (laughs) Like, it literally ruined childhoods. So, I mean, if you're down for it, like, I am totally down for some good socialist commentary on any given day, but I was not expecting it in things that were fueled by childhood nostalgia. Not like that, at least. (laughs) To round back out to the actual point, that is exactly what the weird bird at the end looked like. And what just gets me is that I still don't know if the things in the eggs were supposed to be humans or not. Me either. Because I'm afraid of them. They didn't try to like hide that they had legs and arms and they had weapons. Yeah, and also they were like green, but they were also human shaped. It wasn't like I, they I li- literally didn't try at all. I think they put like freaking helmets on them that looked like birds, but were they just humans that the the dinosaur bird captured and put into eggs? Did it give birth to weird human eggs? I have so many, so many questions. questions. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. This episode was so weird. Although my favorite was Hera's eyes in the sky. Oh man, that effect. Yeah. Especially because now, okay, we've officially seen two gods. Two big, yeah. it's like two gods that are in the big 12 pantheon. It's 12, right? I think so. Yeah, it's in the big 12. So we've got two gods from the big 12. We've seen Ares and we've seen Hera. Ares was in full-on human form, never had this weird god moment or anything like that. We see Hera, and Hera is a disembodied voice with two giant eyes in a bright blue sky. (laughs) 
It's like, amazing. That. It's 1995. Where is, I just want to know where the consistency is. Does Ares have the <laughs> capability to be these eyes in the sky? And if so, why didn't he do it? Was he just like super horny and wanted to come down to see Xena? Yeah. I, I was just about to say, because then he can't perv on Xena in person. Right. So like, I accept that. But I also just want to, now I want to know everyone's capabilities because Hera and Ares are technically like on the same level of power. So he's got to be able to do some creepy eye shit, right? Yeah, I would think so. Okay. I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm just going to try to find any excuse to talk about Ares at any given moment. So, you know. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm gay, but I'm gay for Ares too. <laughs> okay. So, actual things that happen in the episode xena magically becomes a doctor oh yeah there was a lot there was a lot of xena xena's quote fine medical skills that we heard about in um the reckoning i think that was the episode with mm-hmm. the one with aries yeah um, so second time she, this is a like call back to that moment uh xena invented tracheotomies because she performs one on someone and says that she has used this technique multiple times before. So <laughs> Vina didn't just invent a tracheotomy in this moment. She invented it like ages ago and has been traking people all over the place. Right. Apparently. As bad Xena, she was 100% running through the battlefield, giving people trachs, making sure yeah. that they lived because she was a bad person. <laughs> what? Also, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Until Xena explained to this guy how it worked, I never really understood how a tracheotomy worked. Like, I knew it helped you breathe, but I didn't actually understand the science behind it. And then she was like, this is this. And I was like, oh, the windpipe has to heal. And that's why you breathe the hole. I'm so proud of you. You learned something. (laughs) Amazing. I did. Have you watched Grey's Anatomy? Um, I were I watched the first couple seasons when it first came out. I was gonna say they do a few tracheotomies within the first few seasons, so maybe you just weren't paying attention there, or maybe they don't explain it. I don't know. I I think that they explain it because I've known what a tracheotomy is for a really long time. Because yeah, the, mo- the most they use notable tracheotomy I remember in TV is the one in Wonderfalls. <laughs> is that the one with the pen? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Is the number two big pen is the preferred pen for emergency tracheotomy. Yep, yep, yep. I love that one. That's beautiful. I think that might have been the first one that I saw too. And then Grace did did it multiple times. Okay, Penelope would like to be part of the podcast. I just want to let you know. All right. Yeah. Is she a chatty cat? Because, you know, maybe we can get her to meow into the microphone. That could happen. But it's it's pretty rare, all things considered. Uh, Sansa is my talkative one, and she's currently asleep on the recliner. But Penelope has decided that now is the time that she would like all of my love. And she's quite literally pushing her head into my knee. Okay, she's now on my lap. So you might hear her. Okay, so where were we? Okay, so before we get any into any more of the... Um, I'm going to put air quotes around plot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. The title of the episode is Prometheus, so I just want to run through real quick what the actual myth of Prometheus is. Oh, yes. This is some great research. Good job. I'm so proud of Which, you. So <gasps> This feels like a Terry Miles moment. Because <laughs> you're reading directly off the wiki. 
Okay. Okay. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It was so, so good. Prometheus is credited with the creation of man from clay, and he is the one who defies the gods by stealing fire and giving it to humanity. That is what most people know Prometheus for. According to this episode, Prometheus also gave humans the ability to heal themselves, which is not true. Yeah, I don't know uh, where that came from at all. Yeah, they they clearly played fast and loose with this myth, you know, for reasons of plot, because then people could get cut like a paper cut and then die of gangrene or something and you know couldn't heal themselves so they had to free prometheus in the actual myth of prometheus his punishment for giving fire to the humans is to be bound to a rock and each day an eagle which is the emblem of zeus and some people or some myths say that the eagle actually was zeus uh, and the, but the eagle would come down and eat his liver and then it would grow back overnight and continue on forever as punishment. I feel like um, even for Zeus, that shit's too petty for him. Like, does he care <laughs> enough? Because I feel like he'd be out trying to go get boned before he'd like. Right. Yeah. Because I feel like it would be that thing where it'd just be really inconvenient for him. And after the first like five days, he'd start forgetting or he'd start like, you know, being attracted yeah, be like, to somebody is- and be like, oh, shit, my my eating the liver alarm is going off. Oh, well, <laughs> let's not worry yeah, about like, it this today. Is fun. This, is, this is fun for a week. Now I'll just send a carrier eagle. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like that's not 100 percent accurate to who we know Zeus as, but that's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Um, also, in some stories, Prometheus is freed by Hercules. It was not one of his 12 labors, which I also looked up. Oh. So I'll let that one slide that, uh, you know, they they probably used that as part of the uh, inspiration for this For a episode. while, yeah. According to the lore of of this episode, Prometheus has been captured and because he's been captured, the gifts he gave to humans are going away. The gifts being the ability to heal ourselves and fire. So, <laughs> And fire. Yeah. But like the plot revolves around people like getting injured in like minor ways or things that they should be able to heal from, i.e. a tracheotomy <laughs> and then not being able to heal. I don't really understand understand why like such small things were killing people so quickly except for the fact that they just needed the plot to move yeah because like it it would make sense if it was like this is an injury that would take you that could kill you but with like a week of bed rest you could totally get better from and then it just went to like a single slice of your hand could kill you and i'm like what right like, no, thank you. The only person that has an injury that makes sense for them to suffer the way that they do is Aeolus, because he ends up actually, like, it's a legitimate injury in comparison to yeah, everybody else's. Yeah, it's like, we got, he, got a, he got a stabbing. Mm-hmm. That's a real good stabbing. Prometheus gets captured. Oh, my favorite thing is that the world shakes for a second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> unreasonably so. And everybody is like, what the fuck? And Xena instantly looks out the window in this really dramatic fashion. And she's like, Prometheus has been captured or something. Like, she just knows. (laughs) Like, she knows in, like, the deepest part of her. And I'm like, how, though? (laughs) Because Xena is actually got 
seven medical degrees, seven ancient Greek medical degrees, and she knows that that tracheotomy wouldn't have would have worked. But you know, oh, Prometheus. This is the perfect segue, Elliot. The perfect segue. So um, it's mentioned multiple times, and I feel like I kind of just want to jump around in this episode, if that's okay. Because oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is because the part- it's shenanigans. It, it's shenanigans. This entire episode is shenanigans, <laughs> and it's mentioned at one point after. Obviously, Xena knows exactly what she has to do in order to go save Prometheus and save the people, etc. And so she starts asking. Gabrielle some random weird questions that are essentially like well if you weren't with me and if I wasn't here what would you be doing and Gabrielle gets into this like oh I would be a traveling bard and blah 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 and Xena says would you need schooling for that (laughs) (laughs) and I just I at first I didn't know how to respond and my second thought was immediately wait a minute do you need a master's or a PhD? <laughs> and we had a discussion, Elliot and I, about whether or not the schooling type would be like a proper like bachelor's, master's, etc. degree or like a trade school. And a trade school would make more sense later in the episode as things are happening with Xena because the entire point of like whoever has to save Prometheus basically is like going to kill themselves like just by the act of saving them by saving Prometheus it will it'll be so big that there will be you know blowback and they'll turn to ash or something like that so Xena tells Hercules that she like needs him to make sure that Gabrielle goes to Bard Academy <laughs> and I just died you, you, yeah you were right I was totally on 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 the side of it's like she just needs to take a couple classes at technical school also i'm annoyed that like xena thinks gabrielle hasn't had any studying because in the titans episode we hear that she has made quite a study of the like whatever chance so she's clearly been doing some studying she has on her own studied extensively i believe her like exact wording was at one point so i don't know yeah. i'm offended by that as well especially because she should know how smart her girlfriend is like right for real either way i just think that that's the funniest thing that's been mentioned throughout the entirety of this because i ultimately elliot i agree with you as a bard i feel like it would be easier and smarter to go through a technical program but i love that they went the academic route and were like bard academy (laughs) and she's like some some special bard academy in athens like there's a place gabrielle knew where it was she said it was in athens like this is a thing people go to school to be bards (laughs) i'm not over it obviously it's pretty great thanks it was that made my day i felt so validated (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay, so let's see. There's some aggressive jumping and some more racist shit that happens in this episode. So Xena goes to this like oracle temple and there's a lot of weird jumping, dancing, something by these oracles. And yeah, they have this like vaguely ethnic dress. Yeah, I think I called I called what they were doing like an ancient Greek jazzercise. That is exactly what your note states. <laughs> <laughs> and as oh god, it was terrible. The eyeshadow is so bad. So okay, I consistently 
every episode, there is at least one point where I look at makeup and wardrobe and I just want to have a conversation with them. And I just want to ask why. And then I want to like beat them furiously for a second. (laughs) Because just, no, who let you do this? She literally, the main oracle, she has shining, shimmery, light blue eyeshadow from the very bottom of her like eyelid all the way up to her eyebrow and around yeah, it's her like, brow bone it's like, and down. Full, yeah, it's full full eyelid. Full eyelid. Full eyelid. And, and it's glittery. Now, like, I know there was eyeshadow in ancient times, but let me tell you, most blue dyes are hella toxic. Mm-hmm. Because I used to oil paint. You would know. Out of everybody, you would know, Elliot. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just... I feel like we need to keep a running count of things that just don't fit into, like, where they are, like, ancient Greece in every episode. So my concerns for this episode so far are the blue eyeshadow and the watermelon. Yeah, like, like all they, and the weird thing is it wasn't all three of them wearing this gaudy eyeshadow. It was just the main one. The other two I don't even think are wearing eyeshadow. But, like, all you had to do was, like, make it, like, a dark red. Like, that could have been, like, clay or mm-hmm. anything. Cherries. Dude, like, literally anything. Purple was an eyeshadow that you could get back then. Like, legitimately, there were, like, you would dry berries and you would turn that into fucking purple eyeshadow. Like, it was possible. There's ways to do it. But, of course, they just had to go with the gaudiest eyeshadow. And this is, th- okay, this part is going to sound a-, a little bit bad. A blue eyeshadow has always been the eyeshadow that I feel like is the worst eyeshadow that you could possibly pick if you're if you're not good at eyeshadow. And oh yeah, totally. Yeah, it's such a thing, and like I I never wore it as a teenager. Even I don't even wear it now. I've done one makeup look that I can think of that involved blue, and it was more of a teal, and it was for my pride outfit. And it's just because I instantly go from looking like a normal human with makeup on to like. Lady of the Night Harlot, the second yeah, like, that you put blue on. It's definitely like drag queen makeup. Exactly. Okay, good. I was trying like, to figure out a way to make it not sound bad because it's just like it's way it's so over the top. Yeah, there well, I mean, like there is there is like a style of doing drag queen makeup, and it is how she has her eyeshadow. Yeah. Like it is like all she needs is like some aggressive contouring. Mm-hmm. Like, and like it's like no this is, you're not at a drag show you're in an oracle temple exactly and i don't know it just it just felt weird and especially with the other two oh my other favorite thing about this episode speaking of the other two is that they all look like the fairies from sleeping beauty because they're all in the same coloring there's one in blue there's one in a red like a red pink dress and then there's one in green in a green dress yeah i did notice that as as you were pointing it out i was like that is a good and See, if they had just gone with like an ancient Greek sleeping beauty fairies aesthetic, it would have worked out so much better. But no, right. they didn't. And the woman who was wearing blue didn't even have the blue eyeshadow on. So it was it's just, I don't, it was a lot. It was a lot, Elliot. It was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about the real heart of this episode. I mean, that eyeshadow was so distracting. I couldn't stare at anything else while she was on screen i feel you and honestly i didn't really like get any of this like what was happening in the scene because i was 
spending too much time staring at them. All I know is that essentially at one point, Xena sticks her arm into a very sharp looking, like, teethy skull and has to, like, grab something and they cheat by burning the, burning the rope. That's all I saw. And I was like, does it really matter? Because we know she's not going to get her arms bitten off. So am I really paying that much attention? No, just the eyeshadow. <laughs> oh, there's another cave. Oh, yeah. I think after, I think the oracles tell her where she needs to go to, like, get this fancy sword that will break prometheus's bonds i think that was the the gist of what they were saying yeah something like that because then she gets like chased through this i don't know it's not quite a labyrinth but there's all these like booby traps and shit yeah that the guards don't seem to know about like they're the (laughs) guards yet they're frequently surprised if not like as much maybe more than Xena. Like, they're so unprepared for what she does and what, like, booby trap she unleashes. And you'd think that since they're the ones guarding that area where this booby trap is, wouldn't they be prepared to fight with the booby trap instead of against it? I don't know. Actually, no, that is a perfect metaphor for how this episode went. <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing made sense. I felt like every plot point was fighting against each other and then random bird people at the end. That's it. Yeah, That's the episode. Much. And also another thing, my favorite moment was when we were 20 minutes into the episode and I had the sudden realize of, wait a minute, this is supposed to be a crossover episode. Where the fuck is Hercules? And Hercules and Aeolus appeared literally seconds later. But yeah, they didn't show up until like almost halfway through the episode and then suddenly were like a big part of the episode. And I was like, what the fuck? No, this doesn't make any sense. But also, would you have wanted them in more of the episode than they were already in? Probably not. Of course not. But still, (laughs) the point stands. It's Um, supposed to be a crossover. Oh, and the end of Xena's trials in the Cave of Wonders or whatever the fuck um, is that (laughs) Xena also... Xena also invented pulling the sword from the stone. Oh, yeah, she did. That's how she the magic sword that's going to... uh, release prometheus yeah oh and they have and another they... moment where the sword almost goes back into a stone at the very end of the episode oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so there's a lot of sword in the stone metaphors here because that's what you need in your ancient greek shows <laughs> as many references to arthurian myth as possible exactly makes total sense guys total sense it's fine it's fine um there's there's a scene with, like, a shady merchant that Gabrielle is in, like, he's, like, merchant with a tent or a yurt or something, and he's trying to sell her things, and then Eolus shows up and is like, hey, I'm looking for my friend, and Gabrielle's like, I'm looking for my friend, and then I think he mentions, does he mention Hercules or something? Something like that. Um, I think that he, it, it, oh, 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 he mentions the that he owns the bassinet that Hercules slept in as a child or something it's either a bassinet or like a cradle or something like that and then eolus walks in like two seconds later yeah because the the um the salesman guy keeps trying to be like this is the original blah 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 from whatever myth and eolus is like i was with hercules while he did his labors because we're boyfriends (laughs) massive boyfriends super gay boyfriends honestly you look at eolus and you know that he's like he's a grown-up twink serious his legitimate outfit is a leather vest he never wears a shirt never and he's like (laughs) half the size of hercules you know that they've banged (laughs) i'm just saying like even if it was just to like 
I'm sure that on Aeolus's end there were emotions, but I can imagine that Hercules would like would bang just to bang because he like needs a pick me up. And I can totally see that happening. And like, oh, no, I'm having queer as folk feelings now. Oh, don't take me down this road. (laughs) I'm just thinking about how I feel like this is a relationship that would be akin to Brian and Michael if Brian and Michael fucked. But um, Brian is a perfect character and Hercules is the scum of the earth. So uh, but it's a similar relationship. Anyway, uh, if you have queerest folk feelings, come talk to me about them. Anyway, next (laughs) point. This is not a queer smoke podcast. Oh, it should also be noted that Shady Salesman is also wearing a bad hat. Oh, yeah. He's our bad hat of the episode, guys. And actually, I think this is our only bad hat of the episode. I don't think that we have anybody else. But once again, we're having some discussions with wardrobe in regards to the in regards to the Romani stereotype outfits. So we don't worry. We still have a conversation to have with wardrobe. It's fine. Let's see. There is like, I don't remember how we get here, but there's a scene where Xena is fighting a bunch of people and Hercules and Eolus literally like jump into the screen from out of nowhere. <laughs> like, like if it was on a stage, they would be jumping in from like side stage and being like, haha, we're here. But like, it's not a stage. It's like a barn and they just appear. Enter <laughs> jumping strange. aggressively from stage left. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So that happens. Um, There's feelings. Xena and Hercules instantly are, like, mad at each other because they both know what they're trying to do because both of them are trying to sacrifice themselves because they're both good people. (sighs) We get it. You're good. Gabrielle is so interested in in Hercules from a, like, academic point. Yeah. I think one of the first things she says is, can I ask you a few questions about your labors? It's beautiful. And then Hercules, being the dick that he is, is like, well, you should go talk to Aeolus about that. He's actually the one who knows the most. So Hercules is the worst. So uh, Yeah, Hercules is the worst. He basically is like, yeah, Aeolus is my Watson. He writes down all of my the fancy shit that I do and remembers it because I just can't be bothered to even remember how many people I've saved. Like, go fuck yourself, Hercules. Exactly. I think Hercules says something douchey about, like, he's surprised at how good Xena is. And I'm just like, fuck you. She's found the power of gay love. Of course she's good now. Oh, like gay love will make everybody good. Come on. There's a moment where Gabrielle tells Xena that she's not like most girls. (laughs) That was great. That was great. Uh, So gay. So gay. Oh, yeah, that was before they jump out in the fight scene. And oh, yeah, during during the fight scene is when Eolus gets stabbed and then he hides it because he's an idiot. Oh, right. And then he ends up slowly dying, kind of. And everybody is like, oh, no, we must go faster. We must save Eolus because we all love Eolus because he's a precious cinnamon bun. I didn't yeah, he, care about Eolus at all. So Even though we've only known him for like 20 minutes. Exactly. That. But yeah. Which, like, the entire Eolus thing is so stupid because he doesn't tell them that he's wounded because then they won't let him go with them. But I'm like, if you're wounded, how can you fucking help? Exactly. You'd be dragging everybody down to begin with. Yeah, like, just stay behind. (laughs) Exactly. So eventually him and Gabrielle end up agreeing to stay behind because they have no other option. Oh, yes, Bard Academy. Bard Academy happens right here. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I had a moment. I just, oh my god, and then, okay, and then we get to the squawking bird demons. Okay. 
Sorry, going through my notes, being very concerned. <laughs> Xena and Hercules go off to, you know, do their hero thing. And Xena is very insistent that, you know, she be the one. This, this is like the whole fucking like plot here is that Xena and Hercules keep wanting to be the one that strikes the blow. And so they keep like stealing the sword back and forth from each other. And it's supposed to like play is like sexual tension but it's just fucking stupid yeah it doesn't make any sense because they're both it's like supposed to be something that makes them both seem like they're trying to do the good thing but really they just seem like idiots yeah and it just comes off as hercules being like but i want to get the credit for saving humanity like right go fuck yourself (laughs) and honestly though the thing that would have made the most sense and the thing that i think would and i feel like this is actually a big deviation of character And okay, watch me get a little bit serious now. (laughs) So it doesn't make any sense to me that Xena would so willingly accept that like in order to do this, she has to like sacrifice herself because Mm -hmm. she doesn't have anything at stake here. Eolus doesn't matter to her. I mean, yes, she's a good person fundamentally at the moment. Like, that is her big thing. But I feel like she is a smarter person than that and would have tried a little bit harder if Hercules were not in the mix to find a better way to go about things so that she didn't necessarily have to die. Slash, I feel like they really egged each other on in a really immature way of like, no, I've got to do it. No, I've got to sacrifice myself. No, I have to sacrifice myself instead of using their brains and being like, okay, wait a minute. How can we come up with the best outcome for each other and come up with an actual plan? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I said, I think that, like, that immature bickering was supposed to play as sexual tension, but it really, really didn't. Yeah. And one thing I think that actually came off not just childish, but it came off like they had a really sibling-esque relationship. And Mm. especially with them trying to push the romance the entire time, it really bothered me because it made me really – it just felt squicky because it just didn't feel right. It felt like they were literally arguing, bickering siblings, not people with romantic tension. Like, there was more tension in the scene where Xena and Gabrielle say goodbye to each other before Hercules and Xena go off because they don't know if they're coming back. And, like, they they actually hug and have a moment. And, like, even Hercules and Eolus have a, like, have a, like, a weird eye-fucking, we're not going to touch because that'd be gay, except that we're totally boyfriends. Exactly. And we don't know how, and we don't know how to feelings, yeah. <laughs> like, moment. That had more tension than like Xena and Hercules' actual kiss, which was gross. Oh, it was so gross. Oh, and then their moment in like they bring up the twin souls myth multiple times. I think, I think twice. First, Gabrielle tells it to Eolus when he's like near death and she's trying to like distract him. And so she's telling the story about how once upon a time, all humans had two, uh, four legs and two heads. And then Zeus didn't like how powerful they were. So he separated them. And like their goal is to find that other person. And Hercules brings it up at the end again and mentions like, do you ever just know that somebody shares your soul and then like watches Xena like ride away on her horse? And that's like how the episode ends. And it just, it, no, 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 no. What do they share? They share nothing. They are two fundamentally different characters with two fundamentally different goals who literally have zero in common. And yet you're being like, oh, we share each other's soul. You're not even an actual ship. Like you don't, there's no way that you're going to work out (laughs) 
because you've both got two different shows. No. Am I the only one that's mad about that? I'm really mad about that. That pissed me off. That was a terrible way to end it. You should be mad about it. Um, On a lighter note, (laughs) if anyone out there is queer and hasn't seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the opening song is about this myth. So I'll find a... I don't know. The Rufus Wainwright cover is my favorite version. So I'll, we'll find a, a link to it and put it in the show notes. Perfect. I'm down. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. So the episode up is, as we've discussed, the awesome, awesome CGI Jim Henson bird oh, scene. It's so good. <laughs> so good. So um, essentially, shit happens is the explanation that I have to give. And there's a lot of squawking. Yeah, there there's a lot of squawking. A bird flies in from out of nowhere and picks Xena up. She does some Xena shenanigans and like kicks herself up onto the bird. So now she's riding it. And then she stabs it with the sword that she's meant to be freeing Prometheus with. And I'm like, do you really want to stab the creature you're actively riding when you're like a thousand feet in the air? Right. But... Yeah, but then she can fall through the sky and have Hercules catch her in a really gross and awkward heterosexual smokescreen. So, you know. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, and then, I don't know, some shenanigans happen and Hercules, like, throws the sword at the rock and it frees Prometheus. And he's wearing, like, a weird loincloth. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. (laughs) Me with this entire episode, though. (laughs) So basically, yeah, that's the episode. It, it kind of wraps up pretty quickly. They don't die because the sword, instead of it basically falls out of the sky, bounces off of a rock that Hercules like shoves into the air and then undoes Prometheus. And like, that's it. That's how the, how it ends. So neither of them had to sacrifice each other. Imagine that. <laughs> Shocking that, you know, we're not going to kill off the main characters of two shows at, at once. Exactly. Like, wow. Who would have thought? Wow. And yeah, and that's basically it. That's the episode. Then they have a really awkward kiss and uh, shit happens and Hercules thinks they have twin souls and I want to barf. That's it. That was literally how the episode ended. I was super pissed about that. That's the worst ending we've had so far. Don't end on two other characters that aren't even in the fucking show talking about the fucking main characters. (laughs) Anyway. So yeah, that's it. That was this episode. It was terrible. Okay, I have more. I have more news. So this is another um, thing from the same Screen Rant article. Oh, okay, that's sort of news. Everything I've seen has always been like, "Oh, we didn't mean for the show to be gay. It just happened that way." Blah blah. blah. We had no idea, which is apparently a load of bullshit. Because yep. before the show even started, the the executives at Universal were so worried that this was going to be perceived as a lesbian show that they did not allow Gabrielle and Xena to be in any of the same frames in the opening. And I had never noticed this. And then when I like went back and watched the titles, the only scene, you know, that's in the credits where they would have been together is the scene of, uh, from like the chariots episode where, they're riding in the chariot together, but you don't even see them. You just see the horses. So I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me right now? It's ridiculous. And the thing is, I feel like, yes, it's obviously going to be a thing where a show with multiple female leads will have people like doing femme slash ships and etc. That makes sense. But also, 
I really don't think it's that hard to avoid it. Like, if the show itself isn't written to be gay and doesn't have <laughs> queer subtext in it, the queers will not always jump on board. And I'm actually going to bring up another show that does this fantastically, Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl has multiple female lead characters, and I've only seen a handful of people ship them, and it was never big shipping from the get-go. Sure, it's a completely different, like, brand and, like, genre, etc. But, like, it still breeds the point that, like, yes, you can still have two dominant female characters being the leads of a TV show and not have them be obviously queer and like you can avoid that completely and obviously the writing in this show is queer as shit from the get-go there's no getting around that like I, I don't know it's not just subtext it's literally there so we've already had discussions about so many of the like the scenes in the first chunk of episodes that read as coming out scenes or explanations for like how Xena and Gabrielle refer to each other and relate to each other on an obviously queer spectrum. You don't see that in other shows. So obviously they knew what they were doing when they were going into it. And no matter how much they say they didn't to get away with like the executives and shit, they knew it. They knew it from the get go. They had to. Yeah. Not only did they know it from the get from the get go, the executives who weren't allowing it also knew that this was just homophobic bullshit mm -hmm. because they told the executive producer, um, who later became Lucy Lawless's husband, that it was forbidden because it would create a surge of interest followed by a steep decline, which it would be a surge of interest by straight people followed by a steep decline because then they'd be like, oh, this is old. Yeah, but what you're ignoring is the fact that every queer in the world <laughs> would, would be watch watching it. it. Exactly. And was watching it. That's why so many queers love Xena because we eat up gay media because we're so thirsty for it. And that's the Especially thing. Especially in 1995. Yeah, and that's uh, queer audiences are so dedicated because they're so thirsty for queer content that's why like queer shows like carmilla like continue to exist after one season that's why big fucking massive shit happens to things like the 100 because the queer audience is the one that was betrayed like the queer audience is a core piece of like big media succeeding like why nona earp is as popular as it is because of the queer audience that comes with it as queer people, we are dedicated as fuck to our shows and to the media that represents us. And the reason that we do that is because there is not a lot that does. And so we want to make sure that the, the media that does represent us in a way that we can fathom, that we enjoy and we love is willing to it will stay around if we can. And that's one of those things that I will never understand with executives. I understand that, like, they are concerned about the bottom line, etc. But the queer audience that comes built in when you bring in queer characters to a TV show or just whatever medium you're doing it in, like, would take care of that bottom line almost every single fucking time. I cannot think of a TV show that doesn't have a queer couple that has a queer couple in it that isn't successful in some way at, at this point in time. Like, if especially if they're not like pulling a barrier gaze, etc. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I okay, this is a fantastic example. I watched the first season of Riverdale 
I cringed through the, like through the entire thing. <laughs> I had no interest in watching it, but I watched it and I was like, here, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to see what happens. Uh, I decided not to watch the second season. I got about three episodes in. And I was like, no, no, thanks. I'm good. It's fine. Not into it. About three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I discovered that there is a queer ship, a lesbian slash bisexual ship. I don't know what anybody identifies as because I haven't gotten there yet. But I figured that out and I was like, well, I guess I'm watching all of season two. And now I'm halfway through season two of Riverdale because I want to see the queers. Yeah, same. I I stopped after season one because that's all that Netflix had. Yeah. And then I also discovered the ship and I was like, shit, I got to get back on season two. Exactly. And part of the reason I like, yes, Obviously, Kevin was was is queer as well, but like they instantly got rid of his love interest by the first season. And so I had no interest after that point because I was like, okay, well, you did the one thing that you you shouldn't do. And now they have a good and supposedly healthy female, like female, female relationship. I'm like, yeah, no, I watch that. I want to I want to do that. I want to support the show, even though it's a terrible fucking show, because you're giving people what they want. And I did. I just don't understand why people don't get that yet. Like. You you make queer shit, you come with an immediate queer built-in audience. End of the story. That was a super fun rant. I'm so good at doing these super fun, serious rants at the end of the episodes. Look, that was an important rant, because I think it really speaks to, like, the deep-seated homophobia of, like, 1995. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's still there, obviously. We're still having issues getting this shit done. But yeah, it, it's getting better, slowly but surely, and people are beginning to realize that there is a, like, queer audience that is built in. People, writers have seen that. I don't know if it's gotten up to the, like, to the higher-ups yet, but people who are making shows have begun to see that and have begun to understand that. And that is what matters. And I'm getting attacked by my cat. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I have a queer rack, but I need to pull it up. All right. There we go. I found it. Okay. Do you have one? Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Uh, you can go first. Okie dokie artichokies. Kids, I have something fun this time. It's a, it's a visual novel, which is essentially like a game that is also an, a story and shit and it's called seventh circle and it got funded on kickstarter i actually was one of the one of the people that funded it and i forgot about it forever it, like forever ago and then i saw it pop up in my email again when it was like asking for addresses for my rewards and shit and it's super queer it's urban fantasy and it looks amazing as heck Ooh, i just pulled up the kickstarter page and that art is right fucking isn't it awesome. fucking dope oh it's so good and i got some of the pins too i don't remember exactly what my thing is but i'm super excited to play it and um it's created by queer people it's got queer it's got queer storylines in it i don't think every character is queer but it's very obvious just looking at it there's some queer coded characters so i'm super fucking excited and it's urban fantasy it looks like this is all about uh group of mages who i believe are in a mage school i can't remember off the top of my head what the exact premise is i'm on their twitter right now and it's by a company called rock candy games which is two um queer women i believe bisexual i'm not 100 positive i'm super excited to play it i obviously haven't touched it yet because it's not actually finished and done but they will be accepting um other pre-orders and stuff soon so i highly recommend at least keeping your eye out on it the twitter is uh, at rock candy games and you can look them up on kickstarter by looking them up at seventh circle and you can figure out anything that you need to in order to buy it so that you can have it when the game comes out in the next few months so do that 
It looks like it's going to be super fun. The art looks fucking amazing. At the very least, do yourself a favor and go look at the art. That's awesome. it. That's my rec. We'll check that out. Yay! All right. My, <laughs> my rec is also a visual novel. Are you kidding me right now? No. I mean, mine is closer. I mean, technically, you could call it a visual novel. It's more like a dating sim. Oh, I'm... But there's there's also a murder mystery element to it. It's called The Arcana. And one of the things that drew me to it because is that the the chapters of the novel coincide with the major arcana in a tarot deck, which I thought was really cool. The art is really, it's kind of like, not quite an anime style. It's like kind of like an Americanized anime style. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I actually saw an ad for it on Instagram and I was like, oh, that. Wait, what look, was the name I, of it like, again? The Arcana. I think I have it on my phone. <laughs> One second, I'm checking. Oh, yep, I do. It's great. You should play it. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been. I've had it on my phone for like a week and a half now. I've been. I've been like sitting on this wreck, <laughs> waiting for us to come back. And I do think that this counts as a visual novel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm not super um, far in it, but I've really enjoyed it. So I've. Yeah. There's the option for, you know, you as the player to, I you know, put in your pronouns as like he, she, or they, and then you can romance like um, a dude. Uh, yeah, you could romance a dude character, a lady character, or a non-binary character. So, and they're all adorable, wonderful people, even though I'm only like four chapters in, but I just, I love them all already. <laughs> no, they're all great. There's this like little game that you play where you like go around a map and you try and collect their hearts. So it's like you woo them and then they like give you postcards with like sweet notes written on them. And it's like when you win, it's like the cutest thing in the world. I love it. It's a really good game. And I love that you also did a visual novel and that I know what it is. That makes me so happy. I highly, highly recommend it as well. So it's so much fun. And especially if you like tarot and shit, it's great. You can you can find them in the App Store. I believe they're available for both iOS and Android. They have a Twitter that is the Arcana Game. Their Instagram is the same. And um, yeah, they're putting out more chapters. And there are apparently more characters that I haven't met yet, and they all look amazing. Um, they're they have a Tumblr where they like do Q and A's with like characters and stuff when they I think reach like milestone followers or something. But yeah, it seems really just really cute overall and like i said eat up any shit with good queer characters in it mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. i'm here for it i'm excited about it i love it awesome good queer rex this time i'm so glad that i had one me too yeah i was thinking about that earlier when we were going to record earlier in the week and i was like what am i going to do and i had that thought that passing thought and i'm glad that i hung, like hung on to it so with that lovely set of queer rex to leave you with i think that we have come to the end of the episode. So good job, Elliot. Thanks. Yay. Good job, Ray. Hmm. Yay, thank you. So I'll do some quick housekeeping. If you want to chat with me or Elliot or the both of us, you can get at us at our Twitters. You can reach Elliot at, at Elliot Junkyard, two L's, two T's. Or you could reach me at Ray Likes Cats, Ray Like an E, like in Star Wars. Or you can tweet us at the podcast twitter which is at blair her name pod you can also email which is blair her name at gmail.com um that's basically it we would love it love it love it love it that if you love us and you would like us to get into other people's ears that you rate and review if you are on an app that lets you do that otherwise just subscribe 
we appreciate it. You guys are awesome. If you are listening to us on Anchor, I believe Elliot did go ahead and uh, get it set up so that you can send things to our quote-unquote wallet, which is kind of like the subscriber version of Anchor. So I think it's like oh, yeah, idea yeah. of Patreon. Um, we'll, we'll post the link in the show notes because you can actually donate even if you are not uh, sub- like listening through Anchor. You just Ooh. have to go to the, the, the website and then there's a little button that says like, donate to this podcast and then you can donate at one of three um levels depending on you know what your capabilities are if you have the capability to donate that would be really awesome we're trying to raise some money so that we can put some jingles in here that will be composed by an awesome queer sound tech who does absolutely amazing shit so Yeah, I would love that. That would be amazing. So if that is something you guys are interested in, that would be awesome if you could help out. But otherwise, don't, you know, if you don't, don't feel bad about it. The best thing you can do is just share and let people know that we exist. So we know that we're a tiny podcast, but we appreciate everybody who listens. You guys are the coolest ever. And yeah, that's basically it. I'll leave all of the links in the description when I post. And I hope that you guys are having a fantastic week and we will see you guys on the first. I love you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.